Church, I'm, I know it's a late hour, but I'm going to ask your permission to open God's word up. Is that acceptable to you? Amen. Here's what we're going to do, though. It's going to be abbreviated, all right? I have cut four minutes off this sermon. No. I've cut several more than that. This will be abbreviated. We're going to be in a new passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we talk about our church in its 75th anniversary. We're going to pick up in verses 14 through 16. I am writing these things to you, Paul says to Timothy, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar in support of truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on the world, and taken up to glory. Let's ask for a quick word of prayer. And we'll walk through these verses swiftly with one another. Gracious Father, Bless your word. Forgive us for making church a place to procure our preferences and desires. Forgive us for worshiping false idols of preference. Glorify yourself and bless your word. I pray this in your son's precious and holy name. And all of God's people say... Amen. Why is the church important? Why is the church important? We've heard some testimonies this morning, but maybe a better question. What should be the most important thing about the church for you and I? Now, you might get many different answers to those questions. Many of us in our dear country today have put the church exactly where we put everything else. We have put it into a capitalistic marketplace where we determine the value of a church based on whether it offers us the most bang for our buck or our desires or if it provides for us convenience. What I say next, I say in loving irony or sarcasm, if you will, nothing is more exciting to me as a pastor than when I get emails or phone calls from people in our city that say, my family is currently shopping for a new church, which unfortunately is true, a true characterization because almost always it comes with a shopping list. These are actual items that, and lists that I have received over the years of those who are in Grand Rapids shopping for new churches. Let's hit the space bar here. The first one is, are you, are you for homeschool, private school, or public school? And my answer to that is, I oppose all three, to be honest with you. I believe in free-range education. No, I don't. What Bible version do we use? Another one is, if we hit it here, I think it's music. What is your music style? And what is your church's position on depression and anxiety medications? My answer is, I love them personally. I need them every hour I need thee. No. 
A lot of times they're like, well, what is your service schedules? And what they're really getting to it is, have you still held to that evening service? And I'm proud to announce this morning here at Trinity that we have an evening service every other Sunday night, which makes us what? Compromisers. <laughs> Our position is compromise. What are your positions on drums and guitars and organs? What, what kind of programs do you have for your children? And, and what are your political parties? Are you mostly Republican or Democrat? I want to throw up in my mouth. What is your position on creation and divorce and remarriage? Some of these are, are valuable questions. Some of them are not. Some are like, what are the programs for your children? Do you have exactly what my family needs at this moment in time? And here's my favorite one, and this is a true one. What is your schedule for mold mold detection schedule in the church? I don't know. We don't have one. How will you respond to the next hypothetical pandemic zombie apocalypse? How will you handle the next hypothetical pandemic? Well, the first move will be my resignation. Can I get a witness on that? Sweet mercy. I'm really looking forward to everyone's research being mailed to me. Does your church believe in extraterrestrial life on other planets? I don't care, all right? Now, let's move forward. Although, I think it's fun. Ask my family. I've seen a UFO. I have. No. This is my favorite one. How quickly can I become an elder at your church? Okay, warning. Warning, warning, warning. All right? That was a literal request. How quickly can I get in leadership? And I thought, it's going to take at least 10 years. All right? Do you still have a scheduled potluck time in the church? That is a good Baptist one. But it is on the shopping list. And then this is my favorite. Don't hit it yet. This is true. What? What did I say? What did I say? What? What is your biblical position on dance aerobics? I've never been asked about Richard Simmons before in my life. Our position is he has really bad hair. Apart from that, we don't... I'm just teasing for Richard. I don't know the man. But I don't have one on dance aerobics. What I've almost always noticed in these shopping lists is nowhere is it asked, do you teach and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Never in the list do I see anyone eagerly write about Philippians chapter 2. How will your church provide opportunities for me to submit to other people's interests over my own interests? How can I lose myself in serving with others? Never in the list in my 25, 27 years of being a pastor have I ever seen the five solos. Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to glory alone. Because somewhere along the way, our shopping list in the capitalistic marketplace that is the church has become about our glory. I find that more recently, in these more current times, I'm often being asked, do you agree with the positions of my favorite podcaster? 
who does my thinking for me. That'll preach. My friends, may we hear this today. The church is not a warming kitchen. The church is not a warming kitchen to keep everyone's personal preferences fresh. We are not commanded, nor are we called by God to be some spiritualized shipped shopper who run around gathering everyone's grocery list of desires and delivering them in hopes that we might keep their business. But rather, the church is a pillar of truth to a world that desperately needs Christ. Paul is about to give a list of what the church is supposed to support above all else. And I'll give you a hint. It doesn't include pandemics. It doesn't include politics or mold levels or dress code or dance aerobics. It includes one thing that above all else, one thing must be supported in the church that in all of our other interests must bow to it. And that one thing in church, say amen to this because this is absolutely true. The one thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's everything. It's everything. In fact, it makes our list look silly in comparison. Paul gives a grocery list here that makes, of what makes a church uh, what is important and right and it will fit into one small grocery bag. It start, he starts out by saying, it's not enough to study and know what we believe, but one, how one should act in the household of God. Knowing what is right while acting poorly is not sound doctrine. Hear that, church. Knowing what is right while acting poorly is not sound doctrine. If you have sound doctrine... And you use it as a whip, a whipping, a weapon to beat people into submission to what you want. You no longer have sound doctrine. For doctrine should not merely fill our heads. It should affect the way we live our lives. I remember one time in my, at my first church when I was a youth pastor, there was this older woman who was very conservative and came from a very conservative church, which is perfectly fine. But I remember she had two signs in her lawn that faced the public high school. And one sign was in wonderful King James language, and it said this, Whosoever cometh, ye shall find eternal life. Well, that's wonderful. That's sound doctrine. That's great. The other said, right next to it, No trespassing, violators will be shot. (laughs) Well, that's a conflicting message, isn't it? Whosoever comes will be shot dead at the scene. All right? Does those pictures ever represent how Baptists approach doctrine? We got sound doctrine, baby. And we shoot our wounded. I think Paul touches it on 1 Corinthians. He says, allow me to, and I want you to allow me to summarize Paul here. If I speak the truth like an angel and I have no love, I am but a noise. Question, is our sound doctrine just a noise? Is it just a noise to people because, uh, because of the way we treat them? Or even here, the way we ignore them. Or the way we're ready to cut and run the moment things aren't exactly the way we want it. Is our Christianity nothing less than a collection of cultural grocery list items? If we are not just to be the church of God, we are to be the church of the living God. Right there in the orange 
We are to have growing, living relationships with God. Romans 9 speaks about that. We'll get there in a, a couple of years. When we are, there you got it, those who are still listening. We are not a religious institution, amen? We're not a religious institution. Or the protectors of brands. Or the protectors of styles of Christianity. We are a community where we worship the living God and we live him out in our lives. We are a place where Christ is everything, not our children's programs, not our policies, not our styles. And here it is, not even your pastor. Never fall into the pattern of worshiping your pastor. Amen? I can't say that so convincingly. (laughs) In our daily bread in 1986, that's how big of a nerd I am. 1986, it says the phone rang in a pastor's office in a church in Washington, D.C., where the president sometimes would attend the church in D.C. An eager voice said to the pastor, are you expecting the president to be there Sunday? And the pastor replied, I can't promise you that the president will be here, but we fully expect God will be in our presence. Ouch. I like this guy. And I hope that his presence is incentive enough for you to attend. Wow. May we not choose a church nor come because it fulfills our shopping list of preferred positions and styles and brands, but rather because, here it is, it is a pillar of support of truth. It is a pillar in support of truth. Now notice, the church supports the truth. We are not the source of truth. We, we, I am not the Pope. I don't get to declare canon. I don't get to declare an, an inerrant truth. The inerrant truth is in the Word of God, and we support it. We don't create it. Therefore, we don't get to change the message, and we don't get to vote on the truth that we support. Amen? It's His. Here's a question. But what truth is Paul focused on here? The truth of all of God's word? Of course, of course, we are to support all of God's word. But Paul has a very specific truth in mind here. Hence, the articles in front of the word truth, the truth. Well, we are to uphold all clear, not inferred, but clear teaching of God's word. There is a truth that is of the highest priority for the living church. And the truth, that truth is one that all others depend on. I think we often forget that. When's the last time a church split over a pillared truth rather than an inferred application? There's a lot of Bible, is there not? There's a lot of Bible. And even more, there's a lot of preferred application we hang on it. So much so that it's possible for two or more well-meaning believers who love Jesus, people who have different biblical positions on a discernible subject, people who disagree, here it is, on dance aerobics, who disagree on schooling and deaconesses and Bible versions and end-time positions. And here's one, and I'm going to touch it because I'm strong and I'm bold. We can even disagree on politics. Amen? Some of you are like, nah, it's a bridge too far. These things are not what the church is to center themselves on. These are not the pillars. They do not make up the pillar of truth that Paul is talking about it. We will never 
unify the church around differing shopping lists of preferred positions, styles, and brands. In fact, dare I say that if our commitment to Christ and his church is based on the unity of secondary issues, we will never know unity, and we will live a life of transitory church fellowship, never to know true covenant fellowship of submission and sacrificial love for one another in Christ. Paul tells us at the pillar of truth that we, are to su- that we are to support above all else. And he throws out six things that make up the pillar of truth that we are to uphold above all else. In fact, Paul says they are beyond question. And what are beyond question? For the calling of the church is to proclaim the great mystery of godliness. What is the great mystery of godliness? We're almost done. How's that? You didn't think I could do it. But I can, and I will, but I'm not going to promise. Here it is. The purpose of the church, above all else, is to proclaim the mystery of godliness. So what is that? Well, it's those six things you saw there. The first one, he who is revealed in the flesh. This is the pillars. Who is he? He is God. God The church is to proclaim that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's not just a prophet. He's not a good man. He's not just a good teacher. He is the divine, fully God of the universe. He was vindicated by the Spirit. The word here is justified. Jesus was declared righteous. Jesus never sinned. He fulfilled the Ten Commandments and lived a perfect life because we can't do it ourselves. We need him. So holy was Jesus, God in the flesh, that even while he identified with sinners, the Holy Spirit made sure everyone knew that Jesus was the holy God of all creation. Remember when Jesus entered the water to baptism and he got into the water and he identified with sinners? The Holy Spirit descended like a dove and God cried out, This is my son. He is holy. I am well pleased. God is only pleased with holiness. When Jesus took our sin on the cross, the Holy Spirit declared him justified and righteous when he raised him from the dead. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And he's been seen by angels. The birth of Jesus was announced by angels. Angels proclaimed it to the shepherds. They ministered to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. Angels strengthened him in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. And they proclaimed, angels proclaimed his resurrection at the tomb. Every time Jesus shifted his weight in a major moment of the gospel, angels said, he is God. Proclaimed among the nations. Jesus said to the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go and preach the gospel and make Republicans or make Democrats, but baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Friends, I just want to say something here. We have falsely divided the church of Jesus Christ from missions. We say our church dedicates a certain amount of money to missions. I would like to erase that. My friends, and if you agree, I would appreciate an amen here. My friends, the church is missions. It is missions. And the mission is the church. We are the missionaries to Northeast Grand Rapids and out. And there is only one message for every people. And it is that Jesus saves. Hence Paul's next words to the church. Believed on in the world. Number five. This refers to the progressive fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. The, world only, the world's only hope is to believe in Jesus. 
How many here will agree Washington will not bring us the answer? They can't even find a speaker. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes the world believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then finally number six, which means we're done. Taken up to glory. Taken up to glory. This refers to his ascension to the right hand of the throne of God. Given him a name above which every other name, which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Kiras, Lord. And one day he will return from glory as the angels promised and will once again announce. So what I want you to do is take an aerial view of these six things. Just fly above them. And see what they say. The pillar of truth. What we see is the incarnation and the righteous life and the death and the resurrection and the great commission and the divine ascension of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? In six small statements packed with the theology of the entire Bible, Paul sweeps from the incarnation of Jesus to his glorification, from his birth in the manger to his place on the throne, from the, from the lamb that takes away the sin of the world to the lion of Judah who will come and power and authority. Church, this is our message. This is what we are to support as a pillar of truth above all else because everything else hangs on it. This is our confession. Put denominations aside. Put personal preferences aside. The purpose of the church is not to punch off everyone's grocery list, but rather to gather together on Resurrection Sunday and declare to the world that God became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. He is holy. He died for our sins. He rose again. And salvation for the world is found in repenting and believing believing in him. O Trinity Baptist Church, this is our confession. This is our commission. Only in Jesus is there salvation. And while we celebrate 75 years as a church, may we remember what matters above all else in our history is that we proclaim a biblical Christology. For the church is nothing if we do not reveal Christ for nothing give me Jesus not my grocery list because everything else will find its place and frankly it'll start looking dim If we love with all of our heart, Jesus Christ. This is what makes a church important. Not TED Talks. Christ. May God grant us another 75 years of biblical Christology. Knowing it, proclaiming it. And so that we don't fail living it. Living it. Because that's that's what we believe. 
So let us not just know it. Let us not just teach it. But let us live it. And let us sing it. We're going to close with this song. Sing it. Sing it. Gracious Father, we burn our grocery list in the heat of your body and blood. Glorify yourself and bless your word. And give us, until you come again, the courage to proclaim Christ and Him crucified. We love you.